Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Welcome to Hockey Central at noon on your Thursday. Peter Klein, Logan Gordon with you today as a little bit of hockey news coming in. I'm sure we'll get to over the next little bit. Uh, Mr. Gordon, how are you today, sir? I'm good, man. How are you? Doing all right. Uh, a lot going on at uh, Shea Klein today, so it's been uh, a little bit busy, but uh, ready to talk some hockey. We have Eric DeHatchik coming up at uh, about 1230, uh, but let's kick things off with Peter Lubardius. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Good afternoon, Lou. How are you today? Good afternoon. What's uh, what's happening at Shea Klein? Uh, it's news? a lot of cat related things. No, not big news. No, um, no? just a lot of uh, a lot of cats being very annoying and a lot of changes that need to be made, uh, moving things around and stuff like that. It's been a bit of a a frantic morning so far. So I'm I'm very happy to have the regular hockey conversation to go away from constantly cleaning up cat pee. I I have. Absolutely nothing to add in regards to uh, that predicament. No, I'm usually very, very happy. But whatever makes you and your lovely wife happier, I hope you can arrive there and get some assistance from the animals in the house. Well, thank you. Much appreciated. You're welcome. Um, You're welcome. Um, don't need to go too far into the baseball game from last night. Uh, so we can just, uh, skip right ahead to the Derek Ryan conversation, uh, that we've been talking about for, or been kind of hinting at for the last couple of days. Uh, a player who was the most consistent player for the Flames all last season gets moved down the lineup a little bit in the playoffs, but I I still think Lou has a, a pretty important role to play in the upcoming season for the Flames. Well, I'm needless to say, I'm a massive Derek Ryan fan, and I know that certainly it would be um, thought about more so. Would we be having this conversation, Peter, at all if it wasn't about the salary? And my guess is we wouldn't. Um, This is a very mature, responsible, consistent player who has made a very significant impact I think we'd all agree, or maybe we don't, um, that, you know, his two playoff appearances as a Calgary Flame, he more than held up his own end of the bargain. You mentioned his consistency, and while plus-minus doesn't translate for everyone, I still think it matters to a certain extent. He led the team in that category through the course of the regular season. Um, I just think you're a better team, a better organization, when you have people like Derek Ryan. And so uh, I think it's a great fit at this point going down the middle when you think today, and I'm not still convinced that there might not be changes before whenever we get to the start of the next season happens. But, you know, that's a pretty good group of four if you're going to keep Sam in the middle and Backland and Monaghan and Derek Ryan. And, you know, the other thing is, too, there's always value guys for me, at least. I'm not sure everybody holds this the same way. And and I also get at a certain point, if someone's salary um, is preventing you from either growing younger people who are cheaper, you know, it, it's, they're not easy conversations and there's not easy answers, but 
Um, you know, let's just say that Derek ends up playing on a line with Glenn Godden and, you know, Joachim Nordstrom. Well, the thing about Derek is he's also an outstanding penalty killer. He gives you great versatility. And, you know, in thinking, and I do think this way, that down the road, Glenn Godden is probably, you know, destined for a regular center ice position. And who knows, maybe sooner rather than later. Pretty good guy to learn from, too. Oh, absolutely. And I think you see the growth in Dylan Dubé's game from last year. And I'm pretty certain Derek Ryan had a bit of a role to play in that as well. And that's why, like, $3.1 million in a flat cap era for a guy playing either third or fourth line center can seem on the surface like a bit of an overpay. But I do think that the value he can bring to some young players, it's tough to really put a price tag on that. Well, it is for me, and, and that's how I look at things. I know that that doesn't always mean that I'm in the majority when I look at it this way. And, you know, I also feel that part of the whole equation will be two things, thinking about this topic over the last 24 hours. Peter, wouldn't, wouldn't you agree that I think we're headed for a shortened season? I think we're headed for a compacted season. And when I think about that, don't you feel that, like myself, that depth maybe becomes even more important? And the one thing you never want to do with your players, especially, you know, your younger players, and just using Glenn as an example, usually things continue to go well when you put people in positions where they can grow and mature and you don't expect too much. So, you know, like I said, I can't think of a better guy to be around, potentially even be on his line to learn from to eventually, probably, whether it's, you know, it's not going to sound good in the Ryan household, and I'm a massive fan, and I have been, especially going back to his days where I dealt with him at the University of Alberta for all those years and a couple of university cups that I called that he was in. But you are, you're just... This guy's going to make every team and organization better, and and I see great value in that because, um, you know, for this team, no matter how you want to put things down on paper, or, um, if you're always going to equate, you know, money with production, Peter, I, I truly believe that, yes, that's a big factor, and it's a big factor in the cap world. But, but for this team, isn't it still about trying – to, to grow a winning culture. And I think it is. And, you know, Derek Ryan, you take a look at that resume. A's been good in two playoffs. B's always been good in big game type situations. He's versatile. He kills penalties. Needless to say, even in his time in Calgary, he's had a significant amount of even power play time. So, and, and just, and just a terrific person that, uh, you know, I think can really assist in so many different ways. Yeah, there's, I think, a lot of value to, to having a Derek Ryan around. And he's someone where, again, if if there's an injury down the middle, I think this team is pretty deep at center. Uh, but if there is an injury, you feel comfortable moving him up and down your lineup as well, right? Like, if he has to yes. play some top six minutes, you don't uh, you don't necessarily want him living in the top six. But if he has to stay there for a little bit, you're comfortable with that as well. No, you are, and that's why I brought up the depth, because I feel that if it's a shortened, even more compact, 
schedule with more back-to-back situations, that can lend itself to to more boo-boos and injuries, if you will. And when that happens, well, you need people that are versatile that can, like you said, they can move up and down the depth chart and still put you in a good position. And that doesn't, you know, where you get in trouble is when people aren't slotted properly for long lengths of time. But there's great value in having, you know, depth and people that you can plug and play in different situations. Like, think about what just happened, Peter, in the playoffs. Did it not matter, even though, you know, he's gone to a different destination? Where would the team have been, even in that series with Dallas? Like, Tobias Reader's ability to move in your lineup, that made a big difference. Mm-hmm. And, and and he acquitted himself very, very well in, in doing just that. So, you know, this is a team still building its puzzle, still, you know, trying to learn how to win, be more successful when it matters the most. And so when you have good veteran people that, you know, can, can help you grow and are very responsible and understanding and good teammates and get it, I like people who get it. You know, I'm not going to tell you that Derek Ryan is, is you know, the, the most talented guy ever. You know, there's a reason why the struggle for him to get to the NHL in part was what it was, but don't diminish the fight and the value and the character and what he's been able to do. Cause if you are, you're missing that. Now I can get though, how people might even be texting in and go for that position. I'm not willing to pay 3 million. And I get that, but, mm-hmm. but I'm never going to be the person that just looks at money and production and stops there. Chatting with our Flames insider, Peter Labardius here on Hockey Central at noon, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. I'm Peter Klein. He is Logan Gordon. Lou, we had a couple of uh, RFA signings today and one uh, with a Calgary connection, Jake Vertanen mm-hmm. and the Canucks avoiding arbitration. It's a two-year deal for Jake, just over $5 million over those two years. It's been a bit of a, a tumultuous last year for him there in Vancouver. There's been rumors about him being traded or potentially you know, on his way out of town, but they find a way to get a deal done. And I, I think for everything that Vancouver's lost this offseason, they could really help uh, or stand to use Jake for another season there because I think there's still a lot there for Jake in Vancouver. Well, so do the Canucks, and they're willing to invest at a decent price for a couple more years. Logan, when I think about Jake Vertanen, in Vancouver, who do you think I think about immediately with the Calgary Flames? Sam Bennett. Sam Bennett. Sam Bennett. Um, different people, different people for sure, but share some commonality. And that is, you know, highly thought of, highly drafted in both cases. Players who, you know, have struggled with consistency for different reasons. Um I think both guys have had a tough time managing expectations. I do think one of the differences is Jake is still finding his way in terms of understanding who and what he is at the National Hockey League level and the work that is required to be a very consistent, reliable player. 
but I do see a lot of commonality between the struggles of both guys. So, you know, in the case of Jake, have watched him since he was 16 years of age. Um, frankly, to be honest, I've had more chats with Jake Vertanen one-on-one than I ever have for any length of time with Sam. So, you know, I do feel like I have a, a really good sense of, you know, a good young man, but, you know, a young man like most of us at that point in time who, you know, have to figure it out and have to understand that some of the things that we used to be able to do at the junior level don't translate and that the National Hockey League requires a lot. And as much as it's about, you know, even kind of tying it in, Logan, to our Derek Ryan um, part of the conversation, Derek Ryan made his way to the NHL eventually because of the work and because of his maturity and because of understanding and being incredibly aware of everything and never giving up on the fight. Well, the challenge is very different for very young. The game comes easily to younger people because there's high expectation. They have high expectation. And when it doesn't translate at the highest level, the way they want, that's a struggle. So, you know, good for Jake. I know why they don't want, you know, to give up or move on because, you know, and we've seen it in games in recent memory between Vancouver and Calgary, Logan, even in our own building at the Saddledome. When this guy is right and, and when he is a straight line, physical, you know, responsible, go to the net, shoots at a ton player, he can be incredibly successful. Guess who I say the same things about? Sam Bennett. Yeah. You know, when those guys do what they do well, physical, they're both excellent skaters. You know, Sam's got great edges. They play with physicality. And kind of, you know, in both cases, I think both their ability to continue to grow and, and shut out the noise, and noise is hard on everybody, everyone, that, you know, there, there's lots in that tank. But he has to, you know, like most of us, when we hit a rut, what are we prepared to do different to get a better result? Whether that's our habits, our work, our conditioning, how much we study, you know, certain habits have to be better to get better and different results. Any thoughts on... Um, oh, sorry, Pete. No, um, I just wanted to jump in here. Uh, the Flames have just made something official. Uh, they have signed forward uh, Dominic Simone to a one-year $700,000 like contract. Um, I was going to say, with, with a few guests, I'd be a little concerned about, here, cold, tell us about this bottom six guy for the Penguins. But he could have been a third leaguer in Trinidad and Tobago, and you'd have a scouting report <laughs> on him. Uh, so uh, tell us a, a little bit about the the newest member of the Calgary Flames, Dominic Simone. <laughs> You know who Dominic Simone reminds me of? Tobias Reader. Tobias Reader. Fast. Um, I won't say that he's the same type of penalty killer. Size is, is quite similar. Have watched him over the years in, in different international competitions. And even in his time in the National Hockey League, and you know, while I haven't had an opportunity because of, you know, where he's been and who he plays for, 
he's just someone that I've always thought this guy skates. He's got some tools um, with more opportunity in a bit of a different situation. You know, might he be able to get to a better level? And and Dominic Simone is is yeah, it's he. I think Tobias Reader in some regards, Peter. When I when I think about Dominic Simone. Nice. Yeah, I like that. Um, and yeah, just uh, first reaction. I'm a big fan of this signing. It's a one year contract, $700,000. I, I like the fit uh, quite a bit. Seven goals, 15 assists with the Penguins, uh, 64 games. Did miss the restart uh, because of labrum surgery. So um, yeah, I, I like this a lot. But uh, yeah, speed. breaking news. Like skates, skates yes. really well. Um, you know, at the right age, that's the right price. And, you know, staying on cue with the rest of our conversation, which, you know, is kind of talked about, you know, adding to your team and more depth and more options. Well, you know, guess what else that does? The more good options you have and more good assets, doesn't that always allow you as well to potentially do some other things? Because now you have more people NHL ready who can play. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. every time a move like that gets made, um, a assess and analyze the player, compare them, but b I'm you know as you just broke the story on me, I'm going, okay, now what does this give you? Like where is this guy potentially going to slot? And if he slots there, and this is where he is on the board, what's the next moving puzzle piece? going forward because because i believe i believe this guy's scratching the surface a little bit i really do well they thought that yeah. in pittsburgh did they i believe he yes, spent time did. with with crosby yes, even to try to see yes. what that was there so that's not by accident you don't get on 87's nope. line if they don't see something in you no like i said going back to you know remembering back to you know junior times or international competitions you know someone who always caught my eye because of his speed in particular, and certainly some skill level. I wouldn't say, you know, for sure top six skill level, but, you know, even in some viewings against the Penguins, you know, he's a guy at the end of the night where I'm going, there's 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 potentially a little bit more there. You know, two guys that I've thought about, you know, on an international standpoint for the Flames over the last few years were, Simone and Dominic Cahoon. And again, there's another guy who I kind of same, same kind of stature, size, skill level. So uh, that's, that's an interesting one. Uh, chatting with our Flames insider, Peter Labardius. Logo, I, I cut you off. Uh, you, you may continue now. No, thank you. No, good, uh, good one to cut <laughs> in with there. I like that, that sign. That's a player I really like for the Flames there. I was just curious if you had any uh, thoughts on Connor Brown, uh, Lou, the other forward to sign today, another RFA off the board in Ottawa, who was kind of, I'll say, I felt he was kind of pushed down the lineup in Toronto because there were so many skilled forwards in front of him. The Senators got him for a bargain, and he's turned into kind of a nice piece for them there with some opportunity. Well, I, I thought, Logan, he was a good piece in Toronto. You're right. Um, you know, not everybody you know, when there's other people on the depth chart that's gonna, that are going to warrant more minutes and more responsibility and, you know, play with certain types of people. But I thought he was a really productive player. I've, 
you know, I've watched Connor. Go take a look at Connor's final year in Erie. Off the top of my head, um, I think the number was 124 points. Um, you know, was an elite producer by the end of his junior career. Now, he might have had one or two guys around him. One guy might have been named McDavid, which probably didn't hurt. But it's a great marriage for him because, you know, he has much more responsibility in Ottawa. And here's the other caveat, Logan, that I like about, you know, Ottawa going forward. I got a pretty good sense of who believes in Logan Brown in Ottawa. And that is DJ Smith. Because you can't tell me that DJ wouldn't have been part, you know, moving over from Toronto to Ottawa himself in completely understanding who Connor is and what he brings to the table. And if you want to continue to grow as an organization, you know, I, I don't think sometimes it's talked about enough that not only does your, you know, do your GM and assistant GM, um, you know, they have to believe in the direction and, and they build the template of players, but the involvement with your coach and what he believes in, who he believes in, is massive because you know once he gets the players you have to have the right players to fit how a coach wants to go about his business so you know glad to see in that case it it just seems like a a good marriage in ottawa a veteran guy who's you know had a good year again so you know good on the senators 128 points in his last year in in erie 60... Ah, sorry. sorry, I missed by four. Yeah, I know. That's a tough one, Lou. That was, uh, you were so close, but uh, 68 games, 45 goals, and 83 assists. That's a pretty good year. For young Connor. Yeah, not bad. Hey, uh, Pete, that, uh, you had worse years than that in junior. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, not 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 bad one to have on the resume. Um, that's that's for sure. Uh, Lou, awesome stuff as always. Glad we could get your take on some uh, breaking flames news. We'll do this again with a mailbag tomorrow. Oh, thank you. I look forward to it. Have a great afternoon, guys. Flames insider yeah, Peter well. Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Uh, so yeah, some breaking news. Always nice to have that uh, come in as um, as you're doing the show. Uh, the Flames signed Dominic Simone to a one-year contract worth seven hundred thousand dollars. Again, seven goals, fifteen assists, twenty-two points. Uh, math in sixty-four games last season. Uh, up until this point, he has spent his entire career with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Also played for the Czech Republic at the 2014 World Junior Hockey Championship. Time for us to take a break. Eric DeHatchuk on the other side as we continue with Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Peter Klein, Logan Gordon, back with you on this Thursday edition of Hockey Central at Noon. Thank you for tuning in today. Uh, mentioned it, uh, Logan just had it, and trending now. Uh, we had it in the last segment as well, but the Flames making a move today. Dominic Simone signing a one-year contract with the Flames uh, worth $700,000. So that is the news of the day. I know Steinberg already efforting to get uh, the newest member of the Calgary Flames on the line at some point today. Very pleased now to be joined by our next guest. He is our NHL insider. It is Eric DeHatchuk. Eric, how are you today, sir? 
I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm just waiting for the snow to stop, though. It's, it's not hockey season, right? I mean, we are we are in the off season, so I think we should at least get a break from the snow until they start playing again, which is what February. Exactly. Yeah. Well, look, if, if that means a break from the snow, I'm much more inclined to take that March start date all of a sudden. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, this, this whole Dominic Simone thing got me uh, thinking back a little bit because he's he's one of those players. It's interesting. I, I was trying to think. Okay, what do I know about Dominic Simone? And I honestly, I think the only time that I can ever remember having a conversation about Simone was with Sidney Crosby. And so the circumstances were, there's a thing that, that the NHL does at the start of a normal season where they bring the, like the national writers and all the rights holders into a city and, and then they bring all of the, the stars of the NHL and you get like 15 minutes with, uh, with them. And the last one I did was in Chicago, I think it's three years ago or something like that. And I was doing a story on Crosby because he had been at Wimbledon that year and he had hit tennis balls with, uh, with uh, John Isner. And so we got talking a little bit about tennis and tennis players on, on the Pittsburgh Penguins. And Crosby was telling me about Dominic Simone. And, and again, this, uh, this is, you know, three years ago. So I, I'm trying to remember the details of it, but I think he told me that he thought Simone was an unbelievable tennis player. And, and you know, Crosby, Chris being the athlete that he is, was, was good too. Uh, but, uh, uh, but, you know, so after that conversation, I started, you know, watching him a little bit. And he was one of those guys that, Played a little bit with Crosby, but was up and down the lineup for, for Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, there were times when, when they would have those injuries in Pittsburgh, uh, you know, when, I, when a guy like uh, uh, Jake Gansel got hurt and, and Russ missed some time, that, you know, he could play up the lineup, and he had the ability to do that because he was a pretty skilled guy. Uh, but mostly in, in Pittsburgh, uh, he was playing in a bottom six role. And so then if you look at where the Flames are at and, and, the, and, and the, the, you know, the people that they've moved in and out of the lineup, when you bring in a guy like Simone, kind of at that middle stage of his career, 26 years old, it just never kind of got, you know, untracked in Pittsburgh. He was always just, you know, a good player, but not more than that. And then, you know, the same thing with, uh, you know, bringing in Joaquin Nordstrom. I mean, these are are serviceable NHLers who are coming in at a you know bargain basement price and they fill in the bottom part of your lineup and so you know are you better with those two than you would have been with Jankowski and Reader are you pretty much the same you know I don't think you're any worse I mean you know Pittsburgh signed Jankowski for 700,000 and, and Calgary turned around and signed Simone so essentially it'd be like trading those two guys for each other you know, at, at a deadline and, you know, just they each bring a, a different, something different to the mix. So I, I, you know, I thought it was an interesting signing. It's, it's not going to be earth shattering. It's not stop the presses, but, but this is how you fill in your lineup. And um, so I think these, these two, you know, uh, you know, strategic purchases are, are, are going to help this team. Yeah, I, I like them a lot, and I like how the Flames are kind of filling things out. I When I was putting together my own little depth chart for the Flames, I had Glenn Godden in the, the NHL lineup, and uh, the, the last couple of moves, it's kind of, okay, well, if he's making the big club, he's probably going to have to earn it at this point, and I guess that's not really a bad thing when you think about it. We, we've had a few years in Calgary where you would see, okay, who are they going to put on that fourth line? And it was just a random assortment of people. But now it does feel like there's actual competition for roster spots going into training camp, whenever that may be. 
Sure, yeah, and then you do want people pushing from 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 uh, uh, down below, right? Especially, you know, I heard Lugo talking about, you know, Derek Ryan and all the things that he's brought to the Flames. But you know, he is on the final year of his contract. He is in his 30s. The chances of him signing beyond this year are probably not that great. So I do think that you are going to need someone that that is pushing from you know the the, the minor league system to you know make it to the NHL uh, lineup. Now, you know. <laughs> So you, you, you've, you asked a kind of an interesting question there uh, because uh, we, when they do get back to playing, you know, there's going to be these. Every team is going to be in a, in a salary cap pinch. And, and from my conversations with managers and executives around the league, more and more teams seem to be inclined to go with shrunken rosters. So you know, under the CBA, you're allowed to carry 23 players, and for the most part, during you know this salary cap era, teams have carried 23 players. You want to have an extra body or two to create competition. Uh, to create depth in case you have an injury and you can't hustle somebody up from, from the minors. But, but I believe teams are going to try and go with bare-bones rosters. They're you know carry 20 players or maybe 21, one extra, and, and just gamble uh, that, uh, that you don't get an injury. Or, and if you do, you can, you can get somebody into the lineup uh, expeditiously. So, so I think that that's where how you manage your roster next year might be a little different and, and why – if you decide to to let a younger player have a, a, a you know a try in the lineup to see if he's ready, you know you you bring them up, you give them a couple of weeks, and then if it isn't working or if if it looks like they need more uh, seasoning or developing, then they'll go straight back rather than just sort of keeping them around and you know in one night out the other that sort of a thing. So it will be interesting to see how it all plays out. But you know if you're if you're resigning Zach Ronaldo too, um, you know he becomes kind of your 13th guy, and if you are only going to carry one extra forward it does create uh, um, you know it, it makes it m- much more difficult for these young kids to, to crack the lineup right now mm-hmm. yeah and I think some of those decisions as we are in once again bringing it up the the flat cap world where if you only have 21 guys on the roster there's a million dollars that you're saving in cap space for a rainy day and those sorts of things i think those decisions are going to be interesting and we're already starting to see a little bit of it with the 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 lack of trades we talked about it the last time but i wonder now if this is maybe the more prudent way of kind of i don't want to say fixing but improving things for the flames are because i i do think nordstrom and simone is an upgrade over jankowski reader if you can't go out and make that big move to affect the top six, just strengthening up the bottom six might be the way to go for the Flames. Yeah, no, I, I, w- I would agree with that. In fact, one of the exercises I'm doing right now for a column that I'm working on is to, I've just gone through all of the free agent signings, uh, you know, since this period started and, and really focusing only on the players that have changed teams rather than the players who were uh, uh, unrestricted free agents, but then, you know, re-signed with their own teams. And, and you, could, you could cobble together a very nice roster of, of players, uh, uh, who have signed for what you would be, you know, saying, describing as bargain basement contracts or, or good value contracts, and you could probably f- put a team on the ice that would wouldn't even reach the salary cap floor, wouldn't even reach like halfway to the to the salary cap because there have been so many good buys on the free agent market, and it may well be that those it's those teams that 
waited. It's the teams that showed patience uh, and, and were not you know, necessarily married to a single player uh, that, that have come up with, uh, with the best bargain. But I, I think there's, there's great value out there, and, and I think there remains great value out there, too. I still think you know, the Eric Hollas and the Sammy Vatnins, uh, you know, depending on, on what they end up getting, those are, are good NHL players uh, who are without work. And the longer you're without work, it puts pressure on the agent, puts pressure on the player to find something. Uh, and um, it will be interesting to see how these you know, last few remaining free agents, uh, you know, how, how that whole thing plays out. Is there still something, uh, a note or two on the top of your, your to-do list from a Calgary Flames perspective? It's hard to say. You know, again, you, you know, I like to, I, I think that here they like to swing for the fences. And, you know, when, when I do all my imaginary wheelings and dealings, I like to swing for the fences too. Um, so, I, but I just don't, I think that what you've seen is that there's a, there's a collective exhale now around the National Hockey League. So, so everybody, you know, f- was frantically gearing up for free agency. You know, every team had, had their, their list of targets. It was for Calgary, it was Markstrom, Ottawa says it was Dadden. Off. You know, and so everybody had a different shopping list going into free agency, and, and it's busy, 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 work, work, work. And then at a certain point, you know, you have to sit back and 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 say, okay, where are we? You know, what have we got? How much more money have we got to spend? And then you try to imagine what the the world will look like when they when they do start to play again. If they start to play again, I guess there's always a, a small chance that there isn't going to even be any hockey this year, and, and this entire conversation would be moot. That would be too bad. <laughs> but uh, uh, so no, I, I think you have to, you know, like unless you're you know able to finagle something to bring in a, like a player of the caliber of Oliver Ekman Larson, for example, who I think will still eventually be traded by by Arizona. I just don't see uh, any scenario where you know uh, after what this. this player and the team went through, uh, you know, that, that they, you can kiss and make up for the next seven years. That just generally doesn't happen. Usually you can, you can do that for a time and then all of a sudden, oh, look, he got traded after all that. That's, so I, I do think that there's one or two players like that that, that may be available. But I, I just, I mean, I, I never want to say never because, you know, things can, can change in, in, in a heartbeat. But, uh, but it just feels like, like we're in kind of a, uh, a lull in terms of, of of what all the teams are trying to accomplish, not just uh, Calgary. And then, and then I think you can sort of, you know, sometimes the best strategy, you know, once you get to this stage, is just to wait and see what happens. You know, even in a traditional off season, you all, you know, you get the the big rush on the the first, you know, seven to ten days in July, and then nothing. And then that final week of August, just before training camp starts, when there's people without work and when the realization sets in after the off season that I don't have anything and I don't want to go to camp on a tryout because it's so hard to win a job uh, that way, um, you know, suddenly, you know, somebody's going to take a lot less than what they were expecting six or seven weeks before. And if you have a little bit of, of cap flexibility left, then you can pounce. So, you know, that, that certainly would be the strategy that I was using if I was looking for one more piece. I would be sitting there waiting and sort of maybe you could call it a bluff or a game of chicken or whatever, but, but it's possible that there could be a lot of value two or three months from now when it gets, you know, to the point where they're talking about, you know, training camps open on January 10th and, and you know, they're playing on January 31st and away we go. Uh, 
just shifting gears a little bit here, uh, over the weekend, Doc Emmerich announcing his retirement after a illustrious career, one that anyone who wants to do play-by-play could only dream of. Um, well, we have a lot of play-by-play announcers in Canada that, that we hold in very high regard. The, the one who was celebrated more recently would be Bob Cole. But uh, I, I guess just some thoughts on uh, Doc Emmerich, a, a long career down in the States coming to a close. Yeah, you know it's funny. Uh, so I didn't, uh, I haven't really written very much about it other than just to congratulate Doc. And part of it is that most of, uh, like we've known each other for a long time. Most of my interactions with Doc came because we both served on the Hall of Fame selection committee together, and we overlapped for 13 years. So there's a 15-year term max on the on the selection committee. Doc was already on the committee when I joined, and then he rotated off a couple of years before I did, and then I'm gone now too. Um, and the problem, of course, is that. Um, that a lot of the conversations we had, you know, in terms of of discussing Hall of Fame candidates and, you know, are you nominating him? Am I nominating him? Who's going to nominate that kind of thing? That's covered by our confidentiality agreement. So we really can't say. <laughs> so I've got all these great Doc Emmerich stories. I can't tell you any of them. <laughs> um, I wish I could. There's one for sure that I would love to be able to tell because it would um, – you know, it would really illustrate how the process works, but I can't, unfortunately. So here, I, I guess what I would tell you is that um, he's a really smart man, uh, a really generous man, uh, a kind person. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, he, he, he's just like, it's wonderful to interact with him. Uh, he's always smiling. Uh, in, in, you know, the times that we've been together, you know, he never seemed to have a bad day. And, uh, and that's just the person. And then, of course, there's, you know, what you referenced was the fact that, you know, he was, he was the main voice of, of U.S. hockey for, for for decades and decades and decades, and I think that uh, you know you could just sort of tell the outpouring of support uh, for him from NHL players, from executives, from from colleagues and peers. Uh, you know, tells you exactly what you need to know about uh, about what he contributed to the game. I mean, he's, he was fantastic. You know, and he'll be missed. Well, and I, I've always thought the the lead play-by-play role for the national broadcast in the States compared to Canada is a, a fascinating one to look at because in the States, there's always, well, you got to teach them the game and the, the, then they'll come and all these things. And you have to kind of balance a hundred people telling you how you can help grow the game while also, you know, calling the damn thing in front of you where in, in Canada, it's just, you know, call the play. Uh, and I, I've always thought that the, the lead announcer role in the States just carries with it a, a touch more responsibility. And I thought he carried that well. Yeah, well, you're right. And then the thing about it is, like, his call was measured, right? So, I, you know, again, everyone has their own um, preference when it comes to, to play-by-play, you know, and, and some people really enjoy that frantic sort of voice. And, and that, that, that wasn't Doc's voice. And, and so, uh, and you know yourself, because this is the industry that you're in, that the most important thing is finding your own voice. And it has to be a true voice, and it has to authentically be the person that you are, because otherwise it just... You know, it, it, it becomes an act, and I think people see through act very easily. And so that was the thing about Doc. You're right. He never had to, to lecture. He would inform without being pedantic about it. And so at the end of it, you, you probably learned a little bit uh, about the game. Um, you know, he had this sort of self-deprecating sense of humor. He was really good at using the analyst. Like sometimes it would be, you know, uh, he'd be working with Eddie Olchuk. Sometimes, you know, someone would be between the bench. So he, would, he was really good at handing off to his, his color commentators. And, you know, part of the, the success of there is knowing when to, to speak 
and knowing when to stop speaking. And he just he just hit it. You know, he 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 got he understood what the job was. Uh, you know, he did it in a in a modest and professional way. And um, you know, I mean, there's you know, I think John Forslund does a really good job, and probably he'll you know move into that uh, that number one role. And you know, when John retires, we'll probably be talking about him and on uh, like this too. But. Uh, um, but yeah, he was, you know, he, he, there was a, I guess I, I just go back to, there was a level of professionalism in the way he carried himself and the way he conducted himself. Uh, you know, and he made it look easy and, and you know, as well as I do that if you can make it look easy when you know, it's not, uh, then you've accomplished something. Uh, Eric, awesome stuff, man, as always, thanks for doing this and, uh, we'll chat again next week. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, there is Eric Dehatchik. Yeah, I thought it uh, thought it was important to get uh, some thoughts on uh, Doc Emmerich. I, I know Doc not necessarily everyone's cup of tea, but a very important voice in the hockey space down south. Uh, Eric joining us today on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Now open for limited dine-in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975 at 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. We will break a little bit more on the newest member of the Calgary Flames next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Peter Klein, Logan Gordon, back with you on Hockey Central at noon here on Sportsnet 960. I am at home, and Logan is at the Iconic Studio, powered by Iconic Electric and Controls. We've been partnering with them for three years. Proud to welcome them on board as the studio sponsor. Commitment, it's Iconic. Contact them today at IconicEC.ca. Again, some breaking news um, throughout the show as Dominic Simone signing a one-year deal with the Calgary Flames. Average annual value of $700,000. Seven goals, 15 assists for 22 points in 64 games last season. Logo, I, I thought Lou made, uh, and Duha made it in the, the last segment as well, a pretty good comparison that he is uh, now your Tobias Reader replacement, uh, I believe. The, the underlying numbers are good. The speed is certainly there, can play up and down the lineup. I, I like this signing a lot from a Flames perspective. Yeah, the Tobias Reader one's an interesting one because I think that while that's that's fair in a lot of ways, I think that Simone comes with some more offensive upside than uh, a Tobias Reader. And if you had to put, you know, we we saw Tobias Reader in different spots throughout the year when you know he needed to fill in for injuries or you know just different things with the lineup, but he he still always sort of lacks that finish in his game, and that's that's nothing against him. It's very hard to score in the NHL, but I feel like Simone. You know, 22 points last year. He's had 28 two years ago. He's got a little bit more uh, of an offensive finish to his game than uh, a Tobias Reader. But I, I really like the signing. It's a one-year absolute no-risk signing, a guy that fits right into your core and adds uh, a lot to your bottom six there. And I think, was it you that, that said this is essentially Jankowski and Reader out for Nordstrom and Simone? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and that's, and that's kind of... Kind of what it feels like, right? It, well, it's exactly what it feels like, and uh, I, I can't see anybody who, who could make a case that the Flames aren't better off with these two guys at, at $700,000 than with a Jankowski uh, reader pairing with you know all due respect to those two guys. I think that this uh, makes the Flames uh, a lot deeper on their forward group going forward. Yeah, I, I like it, and I, I do find it interesting, and 
Um, I, I think both Lou and Juha kind of mentioned that this this doesn't just feel like a, okay, well, and this is another brick in the wall. Let's go. This kind of feels like, what is there something else going on here? Because you look at it right now, you could start 12 forwards and none of them were in, with the American Hockey League team last year. I would say Glenn Godden, I don't want to say deserves a spot because he's going to have to go out and earn it, but I had kind of penciled him in as someone who was going to make this roster coming out of training camp. He still might, but now there's a couple more roadblocks in his way. I'm interested to see, and this is a very Canadian hockey market thing. I'm interested to see that battle for the bottom six spot, assuming there aren't more moves to come, but uh, well, whenever and just we to, get training camp, I think it'll be interesting. Just to add to that, Buddy Robinson signed a one-way deal. That's right. Yeah. Right. You. I don't think you sign anybody to a one-way deal um, without the, you know, precluding knowledge that you think he's going to be on your NHL roster. Right. Right. Yeah, so no, I mean, there, there's another name where just you know that I mean he doesn't have the NHL experience of a, a Nordstrom or a Simone or anything like that. But I mean, that's got to speak some volumes too of where they expect he's going to play. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you, you also have Zach Ronaldo under contract. I believe his was a two-way deal. But still, like he's not going to be someone who's going to be just stoked to stand the, the entire season in Stockton or whatever the 2021 equivalent of Stockton will be. Uh, he's going to be someone who is going to want to be knocking on that door as well. Like th this is, And look, this is not a bad thing. In fact... This is what you want from an organization. And I'm going to get a little bit more into uh, in-depth on that in the big show coming up in a little bit. But it's it, it's fine to have this type of internal competition. Like, that, that's that's a good thing from an organizational standpoint. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You don't want... Like, it's interesting because even look last year, and this isn't a, a shot at, at these two guys, Reader and Ronaldo, they came in as PTO guys, right? Like, mm -hmm. I, didn't, I didn't have any wild expectations about either one of them. They both came in. They both played well. They both served their role well. But, I mean, really, you shouldn't be signing PTO guys onto your NHL roster to play any significant time. Now, I'm sure there's the exception. I mean, I think Tobias Reeder proved he's not a PTO-level player. But, you know, at the end of the day, you shouldn't be looking to those kind of guys to come in. You should have enough already signed and in your organization to to make those decisions and i think that the, the flames certainly won't be in a position at least from a forward perspective i won't say anything about the d yet but i i mean i can't see them possibly looking at anybody coming in on a pto with having any chance of trying to play yeah no i'm I, now to be fair we've thought that before and then all of a sudden christopher steeg bullies and now he wasn't a pto it was an oil or something but still uh guys have been able to to bully their way into the lineup before and again from an organizational standpoint that is what you want uh that's going to do it for hockey central at noon coming up in hour one of the big show more dominic simone talk we have ian mcmillan from odd shark coming on at 125 get you ready for the weekend in gambling efforting someone else for 145 uh, although it would appear 45 minutes away those efforts are falling on deaf ears Years. So uh, we will have Logo with three burning questions, as I'm telling him now. Uh, so we have a lot to get to just in the one o'clock hour. <laughs> uh, live radio. Sportsnet 960, the fan.